what song were you singing or humming? Uh, it's a Steely Dan song. Da 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 da. Da 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 da. It's not striking. I mean, the the <laughs> words Steely Dan are words I've heard before, but I cannot name a song, and I don't think I could pick Steely Dan. It's a group, I assume. Could pick them. I'm not a big Steely Dan fan either, but the song is set to this video I love of a guy dancing for his three only three people and there's three friends. Oh, oh, that's so that's why I stuck in here because of your magnificent TikTok and tweet. Is that what we're doing here? We're promoting oh, is that a good way media. to set up the first topic? Perfect. A little self-referential, I guess. <laughs> sorry, people like us, that's why they're here. Alabaster. Okay, first topic. Would Aaron Rodgers going to the Jets be as big of a deal as everyone is making it? All right, so. Guess what, guys? Aaron Rodgers has not gone to the Jets yet, but there's a chance that he's going. It feels like a like a foregone conclusion. Right? Nobody else seems to really want him. The Packers make it clear that they, that they want him out of there. The Jets are making moves <laughs> that would suggest that they are bringing him in. And apparently Aaron Rodgers, I guess Diana Rossini reported that Aaron Rodgers has given the Packers a list of free agents <laughs> of his buddies. I have to admit, I appreciate how many other people Aaron Rodgers is getting paid? He got Nathaniel Hackett a whole head coaching job and then got him another job with the Jets. So is it going to be a big deal? I think it's a huge deal. I'm sorry. It's I know you want us to say that Aaron Rodgers is washed. He's over the hill and they're going to be bad. But A, it's New York. B, that roster is loaded. And Aaron Rodgers had an injury last year and wasn't terrible. Like They had last year's Aaron yeah. Rodgers on this team on the Jets team last year, the Jets would have been contenders, I think. I agree with all of that. I think we can talk about what it would mean for him to be on this team, how competitive they would be with the Bills and the Dolphins, AFC, etc. But first, I want to take a second to dwell on the wish list because <laughs> it is amazing. This is my favorite piece of off-season news and it's not even news because they haven't signed any of these guys as of the moment of this recording. Maybe it would be very funny if they signed any of them before they signed Rogers. Um, but I wish you could have seen just the smile on my face when this came across. Just Lazar. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, news. Yeah. We got news. Oh, this is delicious. The Jets signed Alan Lazard to a four-year, $44 million deal. Fine. That's fine. That's fine. Of the guys on the list, mm -hmm. Cobb, yeah. Lewis, OBJ, Lazard makes the most sense. He's useful, talented, good number two next to Garrett Wilson. I think that there's still potentially room for Elijah Moore in the mix, although he, I think, tweeted something suggested he might be <laughs> dissatisfied with everything that's happening. Yeah. Um, this is fine. The Lazard signing is fine, Dominique. I mean, the, the guys, the Jets guys that are active on social media seem really excited. And I think most people are concerned about Aaron Rodgers' personality could clash with uh, the Jets organization, but they're so thirsty. They're so thirsty for a quarterback that they celebrated Mike White last year like he was the second coming of John Elway. So I feel like Aaron Rodgers, at least for the first season, he can be as weird as he wants to be. They are going to deal with it. It doesn't matter. It's... It, they're just so hungry to have somebody that can be productive. I do, however, think that him making all the roster decisions yeah. might not be great because whether you know it or not, 
the guys who are the third and fourth and fifth receivers on a team, those guys are special teams contributors. So if he's going to fill up the roster with guys like uh, Obadell Beckham, buds. yeah, someone's going to be uncomfortable and unhappy, and the team's going to be worse because of it. But I guess Aaron Rodgers' talent can overcome some of those things. I don't, I don't see how they get OBJ under the cap, which is if this trade happens, uh, they're going to be pretty capped out, and that's with a gigantic Quinn Williams extension coming down the pike at some point. Um, I can't imagine, you know, Lewis and Cobb would cost that much. But the point is, you've got these like young, talented guys right. you want to get targets. You know, Elijah Moore should be a part of this offense. It doesn't really make sense to bring in. I mean, Lewis is more of a blocking tight end, I guess. This list feels. I can't think of an NFL comp. The NBA comp would be the Nets signing DeAndre Jordan right. to put the big three together, I suppose. And I think most people, a lot of people think this might end in similar fashion. Yeah. I mean, but that's one one player, the one player favor. Yeah. I guess they did get rid of a valuable player in the process, but I think that that's fine. Like Giannis's brother, he can get some, he can get <laughs> some checks. Yeah. Um, I, when I was in college, we had a big time re recruit come in and his best friend on his high school team was not a good football player, but he was on full scholarship because that's what you got to do. So, yeah, one person, one roster spot, that's one thing. But in the NFL, you don't got that many roster spots to spare. Yeah. These guys need to be productive. Nate Hackett is way worse. Oh. <laughs> but uh, Nate Hackett is not taking the spot of someone else. No, no there's no cap. Well, he's uh, d taking the spot of a better play caller, potentially. Um, which, by the way, is another thing that is the, the one thing that maybe gives me a little bit of pause um with Rodgers coming in and how competitive they would be is you kind of are basically like not only have you are you kind of letting Aaron Rodgers be the GM the GM style but it's going to be his offense right this right. was an ongoing conflict between him and Matt LaFleur remember he was complaining about the use of motion at one point when he first when Matt LaFleur came in you remember they, were, they, they actually yeah. butted heads a bit about the scheme I think Matt LaFleur is a very very good play caller and then Rogers started playing within that structure for a couple of years. It's kind of out the window here in New York. Like not like they are really handing over the keys to Aaron Rodgers, and he is making it very clear who's in charge. And he's not even on the team yet. <laughs> you have, I guess the question is that that comes to my mind. You started here and said we'd come back to it. Do you think they're going to be competitive as a result of this and the many moves that they have to do? including the handing over of the office to Aaron Rodgers. I think they'll be competitive. I think they'll be a playoff team. I do I would not have them as one of the favorites to come out of the AFC. I won't I won't pick them to win the division. I'm still going to stick with Buffalo and we'll see what happens with Miami. I really love the moves that they've made in the offseason so far. But like you're thinking about the Jets, very very good young defense, but they are losing some players again because of the aforementioned cap issues. Some guys have already walked. And then offensively, you know, Lazard, Wilson, Brees Hall coming back from injury. It's a good group, but I, I don't even know who's playing tackle for them, left and right tackle. So this isn't like Rodgers is walking onto a super team. It's a good yeah. team, and they're going to be competitive, and they're certainly better off with Aaron Rodgers than they were last year or better off than, you know, pretty much any alternative other than Lamar Jackson. But I am not bookmarking them for – the Super Bowl, the way I, I feel like 
I don't want to straw man this, but I feel like there's a, some enthusiasm out there that feels a little bit too dialed up. Yeah, I think some of it's dialed up because it's New York and some of it's dialed up because it's Aaron Rodgers. But I think you're right. It's a... Uh... The thing about bringing in these young quarter or these young quarterbacks, these old quarterbacks, is <laughs> offensive line becomes more and more important as you get older. Your body can't hold up to it. You can't evade. You're not willing to stand in the pocket like we saw yeah. that. And the quarterbacks that have success going elsewhere, they're in systems or behind offensive lines that are going to protect them or in systems that don't require them to to hold on to the ball too long. Aaron Rodgers, we're going to find out. We saw towards the end of last season glimpses of the old Aaron Rodgers where he would make plays out of nothing with his athleticism and accuracy and arm strength. But that tends to be the case with sometimes great players is they can do it every now and then, but can he do it consistently enough through the course of an entire season and stay healthy? I think you captured exactly how I felt about his performance last season. The injury was obviously he had the thumb injury. I think at some point a rib injury, huge part of it. But generally it's like, okay, I see flashes of the same accurate, deadly Rogers, but less playmaking, less willingness to stand in the pocket, doesn't want to get hit. And that is what happens when players get old, right? Um, my question for you is, as I think about that, going from the Packers team with middling, young, group of skill players, good run game, I think a good play caller, and one of the better offensive lines in football. To the Jets, just focusing on the offense, team with, I think a good group of, uh, probably a, a better group of skill players, and Garrett Wilson is the best player yeah. on both of those teams. Good run game, hack it, question marks on the offensive line. Yeah. What do you think is actually a better situation, just football-wise, for yeah. Aaron Rodgers? Uh, yeah, I thought the better situation was always in Green Bay, football-wise. Uh, I, I felt that way the whole time. It seemed like, and part of it is because we've seen him have success there. That division is not going to be all that super competitive. We saw the receivers come on strong. Just general, I, I think making a jump is a hard thing to argue that you're going to a place that things are going to be better when things aren't obviously better. So I would have said Green Bay was a better situation for him, but if they hate you and you hate them, then that's a bad situation. And I would argue, I guess, in defense of the Hackett uh, Rogers reunion, is that some things are really gross by themselves, but if you put them together, it's delicious. So I feel like maybe Hackett's terrible <laughs> head coach and coach alone, and Aaron Rodgers was mediocre last year you put them back together and maybe it'll turn into something because that's what you're banking on i think right yeah well i don't know i don't think you're banking on anything other than getting aaron Rodgers. like i don't think any yeah. of these moves have yeah. any like logic to them other than we want to give aaron Rodgers whatever he wants because yeah. we're desperate and we're all gonna get fired if we don't make it to the playoffs next yeah. year I just want to make him um like if they make moves to go all in like let's say they try to Okay, you know they they bring. They, I mentioned that they're they're pretty capped out. Like, let's say they you know structure contracts in a way that let's say Tampa did when they had Tom Brady mm -hmm. because they knew that they wanted to compete then and they got a Super Bowl out of it. Is that a good idea with Aaron Rodgers, a guy who I mean, how long is he going to be a Jet? Is he going to promise them that he's going to stick around? Like, if you go all in on this version of the roster and you bring in older players potentially. It seems pretty risky to me. Yeah, but I, I guess, aren't you already there? <laughs> like, have yeah. you already taken that step? If you sign him, you've already taken that step, so you might as well go all in. The idea that you could pivot off of Aaron Rodgers into, like, really developing this young roster and doing a long, slow, like, build, uh, I think once this trade is finalized, 
that pipe dream is over. So whatever you got to do, push all the money to the back end of contracts, make whatever trades you have to make, call up the Saints to figure out how they manage their cap over, how they manage to live over the cap every year and do that. Because that's what, I mean, this is your chance. You got to do it one year or maybe two years. And then you're in Rams land where you're just out here selling parts, just selling parts. I got one more question. All right. If you were given the Godfather offer to go somewhere else, would you demand that I come with you? That's a dumb question. Of course. If I had that leverage, absolutely. Not only because it would be be, it would be me being a good friend, but because then I don't got to work as hard. (laughs) <laughs> you're, you're really good. Like Aaron Rodgers seems like he's bringing guys that he's cool with. He needs to say, I'm not showing up unless you guys get Jamar Chase. That would be the equivalent. Like, yeah, you get Jamar Chase over here, then I'll come sign. No, Alabaster. No, we're not. If we got to, if we get Godfather offer, then no, we're not forcing but, you. But, but please, sir, take me with you. <laughs> oh, gosh. Who's who in this analogy, though? Am I OBJ is Alabaster Mercedes Lewis or? <laughs> no, I mean. Mercedes Lewis is actually very good at what he, I feel like he's kind of like, we're making jokes about him, but. No, yeah, yeah, he's good. That dude can block. I think that this is meant as a compliment, but I'm sure you would be offended, but you're obviously Aaron Rodgers in this scenario. Like you'd be the one that would have to use the leverage to, to get me and Alabaster paid, but. I'm surprised you haven't compared yourself to Randall Cobb and talked about his beautiful eyes. Oh, they are nice. They're just, nice. Yeah. Extraordinary. Huh. I was going to ask the next question, but I just got lost in thinking about those eyes. Okay. I'm back. Um, Welcome back. Peter King is hearing that the Panthers coach, Frank Reich, loves Anthony Richardson. Could you see the, could you see the Panthers taking him first overall? Great question. Other question. Do you believe this or is this just draft time foolishness? Okay. Like, yeah, uh, that's where I want to start because I think Anthony Richardson, incredibly physically gifted player. We haven't seen him put it all together as a passer yet, but that's fine. I, I like the idea of drafting Anthony Richardson because, and I think most coaches and organizations are coming around to the idea of accepting that, the athleticism and running ability is going to give you a high floor, which may buy you time in order to develop the passing skills. We've seen it happen in incredible fashion in recent years with uh, names that I'm sure you guys are all tired of hearing being compared to Anthony Richardson, but I'll say it again anyway. Hertz and Josh Allen. So I, I don't believe it, but I mean, it could be true. Don't. Do you? <laughs> Um, okay. I, I, I thought about this. So the thing I keep hearing is the Panthers want either Anthony Richardson or CJ Stroud. Those are the two names associated with this team. And I find that very believable because the one thing I, we do know about Frank Reich is he has been associated with taller quarterbacks. You know, both those guys are tall. Like if it, it, I, I, I would be more skeptical, actually, weirdly, if I heard Bryce Young. Um, for that particular reason, because I, I do think some coaches just really struggle with size. Now, as far as whether or not he is excited about Anthony Richardson, I think there's two there's two types of coaches, basically. There are the ones who just want a guy who can operate their system, the Kyle Shanahan's of the world, who love Kirk, loves Kirk Cousins, right. you know, who um, reportedly wanted Mac Jones, obviously they ended up with Trey Lance, whatever, but there's that kind of coach. 
And then there's the coach who believes he can develop a guy. So I think the question that would have to be resolved here is which one of those coaches is Frank Reich. Um, and I don't have an answer to that. That's why, sorry, this was a, I know this is yeah. a very roundabout way of saying, I don't know, but like, well, you know, I, 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 I think it really depends on Reich's belief in his own developmental abilities, because mm -hmm. here's the thing about the Panthers, Dominique, that makes mm -hmm. this a little bit more believable. Unlike the team we were just discussing, they don't have to win right away. I don't think there's pressure on this organization, and that makes them more open to drafting a guy like Anthony Richardson. It's funny that, A, you say there's not much pressure on organization, which I agree there's not much pressure on organization, but boy, is that owner hungry for something. He is aggressive. Man is always doing something yeah. to try to make this happen. So while Frank Reich may not get fired, I think that they do want to be – like show some level of improvement. He's not going to be like the first year under Matt Rule where it's like, eh, whatever. We'll see, we'll yeah. see where this goes. I feel like there's True. a little bit more pressure. And the reason why I think it's a lie is the same logic that you used. It makes me feel like it's a lie. It's looking at Frank Reich's history. If you if you believe that there's either a quarterback, there's, the coaches are either guys who believe want a guy to run your system or you can develop a guy or build a system around them. Frank Reich, was in Indianapolis, and he went and got Nick Foles, and he went and got Carson Wentz, guys who he's seen successfully operate his system. So I, I, I don't know. It didn't seem like it. Maybe those weren't his choices. Uh, well, I'm pretty sure the the Carson Wentz one was uh, him pushing for that yeah, because that of success him, that they yeah. had together, and it upset a lot of people in the organization. But uh, I don't know. That's why I kind of find it hard to believe because I don't. That's why I kind of find it hard to believe because I don't believe that Frank Reich is out here trying to remake football or build yeah. his system around some other uh, or, or a um, set of skills that that doesn't fit what he's already doing. I think the more difficult question and the one that I am not prepared to answer is what would we do? You know, yeah. we've been talking about like Frank Reich and his history and what he might do and what the Panthers are going to do. We're not insiders, so we're just yeah. speculating based on like type, you know, but you know, sometimes people date outside their types. Yep. Um, but ultimately over the next month, you and I are going to have to take stances on what we think <laughs> this team should do. Yeah. I've watched, you know, the top quarterbacks and, you know, Stroud and Richardson are kind of the ones again, who I think are likely to be in the mix here. Um, and I, I think it's a really, really difficult decision. Because the more I watched of both of them, the more I liked of both of them. Yeah. I, I like CJ Stroud is kind of like, you know, he, he's a funny one, right? Because he was supposed to be the guy and then he kind of had a little bit of a down season, but he's still this incredibly accurate, smart pocket passer. And then he has this one crazy game against Georgia where he defies everything he's been all season. And like, what do you make of that? And then Anthony Richardson, on the other hand, is a guy who's like this, you know, has never foreseen straight, literally broke, you know, combine records. But when you watch the tape, it is up and down. The accuracy is a little bit all over the place. Like, I don't know what to do with this information right now. It's really, really complicated. And I don't think this isn't one of those drafts to me where there's an obvious right or wrong answer. Yeah. I mean, and Bryce Young is out of the conversation in your view because of his size. Like, I, I think that's no, mostly just because of what I heard. Yeah. 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 About the Panthers. Yeah. But, but I guess we're having a different conversation. What would you do? Yeah, I actually like Bryce Young the best. He's my favorite of the quarterbacks. That's yeah. what I was going to say is I would go with Bryce Young. 
um, because he's the only one that we've seen put it all together. And I would take, and there, there's going to be risk with either, with any of these guys, because no one's perfect. Uh, but the risk with Bryce Young is a health concern, him taking too many hits. That's the risks that is reasonable. The risk with these other guys is that they may not even be good, right? Like they yes. may not even be good. Like we see guys all the time that are that's first that's round right. picks, number one overall, that turn out to not even be good. I think Bryce Young could also not even be good, but he's the one that I feel most confident about is actually is actually a good NFL quarterback. If he can't stay healthy enough to play, then oh well, we made a bad decision. But I would rather get the guy that I that I see the ability with and try to protect him and cross my fingers and start going to church more regularly than get the other guys and and like convince myself that, oh, he just haven't had the right coach yet. I'm going to be the one that fixes him. Well, speaking of that and the concept of risk and health, what do you think is, is riskier if you're Carolina? Trading away your best wide receiver, future, two, uh, two first rounders, I think third, I don't have it in front of me, I forget, but whatever to move up and take a quarterback that might be great in the NFL on a rookie contract that helps that factors into the risk or trading for Lamar Jackson. <laughs> What's riskier and giving oh him gosh. the guaranteed contract he desires. My gosh, that's so Lamar Jackson, a known quantity. So stupid. So, so, so incredibly stupid. Like, honestly, I would do the Lamar Jackson trade and before I would do that, I would not do the first round trade either, especially if you get a new coach, like the trade that they've done. Like I would stick with what I had <laughs> and continue to try to build this roster because like this swinging for the fences and assuming that a quarterback will solve all your problems. I don't really think that's ever really worked. I, I don't remember the time. I guess Joe Burrow is the one anomaly where it feels like you dropped a quarterback into a situation and all of a sudden things got great. Uh, I don't know, Peyton Manning, I guess. Uh, I know he had a rough first year, but it was clear, like, oh, this is going to be something special. Normally, like, it, I don't know. There's no way to predict it, but it feels like that's like a strike of luck. It's not something that you can plan for. And he's not – none of these quarterbacks were great were great higher than Caleb Williams, who's coming out next year. So that would be the time, but I guess whoever's going to have that number one pick is not going to be them, but – I don't know. I just don't like it generally as a strategy, especially when you need a receiver. Everyone needs the number one receiver. You got one. Send them away. Now get a quarterback. So yeah. I guess Anthony Richardson is the smarter move because it feels like you're kind of resetting in some ways, which you shouldn't be because you have a lot of really good young players. But I don't know. You've just seen so many first round quarterbacks flame out over the last few years. Um, okay. And, then, you know, there's been great successes. I mean, you mentioned Burrow, but Herbert is another one that comes to mind. Yeah. Guy that I, I didn't foresee being as good as he is right. in the NFL. But I guess but like if you look at Lamar Jackson's class, it's Baker, Darnold, Allen worked out, obviously. I guess I would argue the Herbert situation is like that team wasn't like without talent. They were really good team. They were they were decent, yeah. Yeah. I mean they were a talented team. I don't know that it, it panned out on the field. It still probably hasn't fully panned out on the field yet for mm. for them considering the quarterback that they have. But I don't know. It's it, it feels very much like uh how a fan would run a team. It's like we just gotta get that quarterback, which I know everybody has to get a quarterback, but it, it just it feels like you're playing a lottery, not building a, a team. So speaking
Speaking of Baker Mayfield and Josh Allen, isn't that sort of the debate here of production versus talent? Nope. Why? Because you you're trying to make Bryce Stroud Young versus into... Bryce Young. Or Bryce, yeah, he, okay, Bryce he's Young. He's trying to make Bryce Young Baker, so I said no. <laughs> I mean, I, I get what you're saying. As prospects, though. Yeah, uh, Baker's big big attribute coming out was his accuracy. Uh, and I guess he had some highlights where he was making things happen, but uh, I feel, and this might just be like I haven't been uh, ruined by seeing Bryce Young in the NFL yet, but I feel like Bryce Young is a better college quarterback than Baker was, despite the fact that Baker won the Heisman and they were really good. Uh, what do you think, man? Am I wrong? I think Baker was a better college quarterback than we remember now because of everything that's happened since then. I also think Bryce Young has faced a level of adversity that makes me very confident in him. I mean, it is truly jarring. I've talked about this before. Watching Alabama after watching Mac Jones and Tua, you know, as prospects. Right. And just not saying dudes wide open <laughs> or seeing Bryce Young like fully, like just like with the pocket collapsing on like he this was not the same Bama that we were used to. And of course, he went against the best defenses in the in college football and, and thrived in doing so. And that makes me more confident in him um, than Yeah, I would have. I, I, I then I remember being about Baker. But again, that was some time ago. And I, I mean, I, hand up. I thought Baker was a good prospect, man. I, I didn't like. I, w I didn't think he was like a sure thing. And you remember, people were not sure that he would go first overall. Exactly. It kind of happened at the end, for sure. It wasn't like Joe Burrow, it wasn't Andrew Luck or whatever. But he was good in college. Yeah. He was really it's good hard. in college. But, I mean, I think the, the fact that he was a surprise, well, I guess yeah. it would be a surprise if Bryce – it doesn't feel like it's a, as big of a surprise, which is a bad way to gauge this. But I think you're probably right. I'm misremembering how good Baker was uh because of the competition that they went up against and also how poorly he's played he's performed recently in the nfl but justin herbert was not great in college yeah. i watched yeah. his college tape. it was not great now again context was huge with yeah. that and but it just again the the only point we're not trying to relitigate these prospects yeah. The point is, it's really freaking hard. Which is why I say you don't do this. Guys. Which is why you give up the draft picks and you get Lamar. The burn or you, hand. Or yeah. you continue to build what you have, uh, what you're building now, and try to attract a free agent quarterback or develop one of the quarterbacks on your roster or draft one at the end of the first round or draft one in the second round. Like, I, I don't like this move for them, especially when you're getting rid of talent like uh, DJ Moore and giving up draft picks for something that feels so uncertain. Oh, well. All right, guys, let's pivot to some hoops. Um, Luca has still has his thigh injury. Kyrie's had out last night. And the Mavericks are sliding. I want to talk about all the spider webs that could come off of this, but are you starting to think it's possible that the Mavs missed the play-in? <laughs> I mean, I think it's very, very difficult to imagine a scenario where they missed the play-in. I assume that they're going to – those guys will come back healthy and Wood will play also, and they'll outscore enough people to at least get into play. And I mean, everybody makes the NBA playoffs, but uh, I mean, I guess they could potentially miss the play. And I don't see it happening. I can't believe it. The West is not, I mean, it's not weak, but it's not strong. Uh, I, I think that they'll make it in. Yeah. I mean, the West is kind of hard to project because 
everybody's hurt. <laughs> so all of these teams that you're throwing out, well, not the Thunder, but the Lakers and the Pelicans, you know, have injured stars. And we t- you're talking about the Mavericks injury. So it's like really kind of hard to project how the total picture shakes out. I do think the offense, again, you know, with those guys in, is too good to miss the play-in, certainly. But as far as, like, winning once they're in, um, this feels like the world's most predictable disaster. Uh, Disaster, maybe? I don't know. Do you think that disaster is too strong? No, I think it's a disaster when you put into context what it actually means to this organization is this is their last-ditch effort, potentially. Because if uh, this doesn't pan out, there's no way they re-sign Kyrie. And that's if they don't make the play-in or if they get knocked out in the first round, I think they don't extend Kyrie. So then they've given up some of their future in order to bring Kyrie in, a guy who they're not going to extend. And then you have to look at the decisions that Luka's going to make, given the fact that as long as he's been there, They've never really had a legitimate contender around him. The one player that seemed like he could be a legitimate piece, uh, a legitimate Robin to his Batman, they let go to the Knicks and and Brunson. So I think, yeah, the whole disaster may not hit this offseason, but I do think it might be a disaster unless they can find a way to put together a team with no assets the following year that will make Luca want to stay. Alabaster, what which what year did the Nets first rounder? They, what what year is that? The first rounder they got as part of the Kyrie trade. Twenty twenty nine. If Luka Doncic leaves this team, it's going to be so valuable. I, I, I didn't. I'm, I'm just saying, as an unbiased observer of that particular trade, uh, yeah. it's just very um, interesting how that might shake out. Um, I mean, like, okay, let me play devil's advocate. When Luca and Kyrie are actually on the floor together, I mean, this is a team that against the Sixers had the first two 40-point scorers in, like, franchise history. That, that Their offensive rating, when those two are actually on the floor together at the same time, is outrageous. The problem, of course, is they're not always on the floor together, and their depth is... Yeah. They gave it away to get Kyrie. They gave away their depth. And not that they were good at defense before. They gave away their their perimeter defenders. So they're even worse. And um, Alabaster helpfully puts up a note while you're talking about how good they are when they're both there together that says that they are three and six in games where Luka and Kyrie both play. So, yes, they score a lot of points, but they still aren't that good. And these are games that are just against people who have not game planned against them. They're not like closing the game, trying to ISO Kyrie or running screens to get him. And that's a terrible thing. When you have one guy that's an incredible scorer but sucks on defense, you can find ways to hide him or protect him. When you got two guys (laughs) that are terrible on defense and you want to hide them, you can't really figure out a way to hide them. And you don't really have a great rim protector when people get past them. Like it just, oh my God. When when Christian Wood doesn't play, it is. It nightmarish just, the, the it big feels death is nightmarish like an obvious recipe for a disaster which is why you said it's the most predictable disaster yeah. the, just literally the side, when this yeah. trade happened it, it, i mean there was the you know the Kyrie of it all which is oh maybe you, you know he'll blow up the team or whatever he, he seems to have been fine whatever that's yeah. not a thing this is all about basketball the other thing people said is this is a team that is going to be absolutely outrageous on offense and absolutely terrible on defense yeah. everybody saw it coming it is an interesting 
idea, and I think we're going to talk about the kings who also kind of fall into this category, but the idea of saying, okay, we're already bad on defense. Let's just try to score, you know, 150 points a night or whatever. There, There's it's kind of like doubling down on what you're good at and trying right. to be exceptional at it instead of just like sacrificing balance altogether. But I think generally that's just a dangerous approach in the NBA when like every team can score 100 points a night. I think that that approach works when you go to smaller categories. Like we're not going to be a great rebounding team because we don't have size, but because of that, we'll run more or we shoot yeah. better. It's a problem when you give up on a whole half of the game. <laughs> like, I don't think that that works as a philosophy. Like, you got to at least be reasonable. You have to be able to get stops at some point. The final seven minutes of games, you're going to have to be able to get some stops. And they have nobody that gives me any confidence that they – or no reason why I had any confidence that they're going to be able to do that because shooting goes cold. It's not even like we're, we're in 90s basketball where you can throw it into the post and you're just not going to stop Shaq. Like, Shaq could get 40 any night. Like, those guys go cold. Like, Luka went over 8 from yes. 3 a couple weeks ago. And Kyrie is going to go cold. And when that happens, it's going to happen a couple times a series. You lost. Yeah, it's the margin of error that just is shrinks so perilously thin. Because, as you said, they go cold. Or they could suffer minor injuries. These are not serious. They're, they're going to come back. However, you need both of them to be perfectly healthy the entire span into the play-in for this yeah. to have any chance of working. Any chance. And, you know, I mean, uh, that's just not a bet you should make in today's NBA. Certainly not. All right, Alabaster, you got any more? We got one more, guys. Oh, no, I meant any more about the Mavs. I know we had one more topic. No, I thought that was great. Well done. Dancing around the facts that, you know, this is a disaster and the team could be blown up and Luka Doncic could be the best trade candidate since Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in the 70s. But that's a far, that's a long way off. We'll see if that actually <laughs> That gets first it. rounder, though. Woo! That's right. 2029, baby. Guys, your nets. it's time to light the beam. Are the Kings more than just a cute story to you at this point? More than just a cute story. So the Kings were really terrible last year and just about every year before that. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I guess back to like, years, right? Yeah, Peja and, and Chris <laughs> Weber these years. Um, so I think the answer is, Yes, they're a cute story, and they're, like, actually more than a cute story. Uh, watching them play against the Bucks last night, it seemed like we were all wrong about De'Aaron Fox, one. Like, he's a much better and more well-rounded player than we yeah. thought. And the Halliburton trade for Sabonis probably was – Right for them. You ever see somebody, uh, one of your friends send you a picture of them in like a new outfit and you say, that looks good on you because <laughs> you, you can't pull it off. Like, I feel like this was a perfect trade for them because yeah. Sabonis operating at the elbow um, is probably the best passing big man in the league, not named Jokic. And it really opens up this this uh, offense in a way that is impressive. So, yeah, I think this is it, it does feel sustainable. It feels like the foundations of something good. And Mike Brown. Uh, a defensive-minded head coach, so maybe they'll figure that out at some point. But well, I think that's yet. the – so, again, another way of asking the question, are they more than a cute story, is do you actually think they can make a run in the playoffs? They're the two-seed right now, I think, right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, behind Denver. So that, to me, is tough because I agree with everything you just said, but 
when you start thinking about this team in the playoffs, I think what they're doing offensively will carry over. I don't think it, you know, like we we always talk about playoff basketball and things grind down and, you know, all that flash and ball movement and like being like that kind of high powered offense. It doesn't work. I, I actually disagree with that. I think that they have too much talent. They're too, they play together too well for it to not work in the plan. And by the way, offensively, they're like, I don't have them in front of me. They're breaking records, right? Yeah, like they're, yeah, uh, yeah, it's they're like absurd the what they're ever. doing. Yeah. They're so good in clutch time. They're so good uh, in, in so many different ways. But as Alabaster just pointed out, they do not play defense. And when I started thinking about the playoffs, and again, it's hard to project because of the injuries, but you start looking at some of the teams that they might run into in the Western Conference. How many of them, like, do you realistically see them especially in the upper half of the bracket how many of those teams do you realistically see sacramento coming out on top of yeah which is why i like the way that the question was phrased why alabaster didn't phrase it the way that you tried to make me phrase it because <laughs> no they're not going to get out of the first round but yes they do have the foundations of something interesting and it's not like a cute flash in the pan type of story they have something that they could yeah. build around it could be successful for years years to come and you know how i know that they don't care about defense is harrison barnes was guarding Giannis <laughs> in a game a couple of nights ago and like just that that was the matchup they didn't start doubling until late until late in the game not late in the quarter late in the game they're like you know what we're gonna have harrison barnes match up on Giannis. Giannis was doing whatever are, he wanted are we being hypocritical at all coming off of the discussion about the mavs we're like you can't just play off i don't think we are because i think what sacramento is doing is different they're deeper they're better coached they're healthier um I also think they've proven time and time again, yes, we would like the the Clippers game comes to mind where they scored like a billion points. You remember that crazy game? Like this works. Yeah, we're not good at defense. It genuinely doesn't matter with us. Like we are different. We are so young and so fast and so good at scoring. It doesn't matter versus the Mavs that we were just talking about where they they have that small margin of error because it's really just like the three dudes. Yeah, and the the offense isn't um, like the ISO heavy stuff that we see. It's like working from the elbow with. Um, it's with, beautiful. Yeah, with Sabonis and his um, uh, his Fox being quicker and faster than everyone and shooting pretty well also. But I think the the difference or the, one of the major differences is timelines. Like yeah. this is about yeah for the Kings we're not expecting championship. We're not expecting deep run. Luca's already been in the conference finals. He's getting in that point of the Crazy. career where we expect you to get into a finals at some point. So that's why it feels different because we're like, they don't even have all the pieces that they need yet in Sacramento. Uh, like I mentioned, they got Harrison Barnes, Garden, Giannis. <laughs> so like, clearly they do not have the roster constructed to compete in, um, in the finals. They do have Kevin Herter though. The mighty Terrapin can't miss. <laughs> except for in the three-point contest uh, i don't count he only he only shoot ones that matter <laughs> um yeah i mean i agree with everything you said it is all in the phrasing of the question yeah. and i do th- i, I want to say like i don't think they're necessarily guaranteed one and done in the playoffs it, i think matchup will matter right. a great deal that to kind of again bring this back to the last topic it is totally possible that they actually end up facing the Mavs in the in the playoffs and I would pick the Kings in that yeah. matchup even if uh Doncic and Kyrie were both healthy I think I would still pick Sacramento I would pick them over the Wolves um Clippers it depends who's playing 
Yeah, that's an indictment uh, of the Mavs there because yeah. the, the one team or the one style of game that they are built to potentially win is, uh, or a series they're built to win is like a shootout, an offensive like explosion. And that matchup against the Kings, I'm with you. I would pick the Kings too. It just feels a little bit more sturdy. All right, Alabaster. God, the scores in those those games would be that would be fun insane. to watch. All right, let, let's give the fans what they want. Let's imagine a 2-7 matchup. Kings versus Lakers. Who you got, Foxworth? I'll take everybody's the Kings. Everybody's healthy. Oh, everybody's healthy? Well, wait, wait, wait. Let's... Alabaster as healthy as they can be. LeBron is LeBron's, playing. LeBron's playing. AD's playing. LeBron's playing. Oh, that's a tough one. Huh? I, I'm, I'm taking the Lakers if LeBron's yeah. healthy. Yeah, yeah. I got to go Lakers if LeBron's healthy. It's LeBron. It is LeBron. I'm, I'm not LeBron done. LeBron versus LeBron, though. That'd be a... Oh, sick little. Yeah. Guaranteed. I like the Kings. Guaranteed Instagram post. Hashtag. I'm the real King. (laughs) Wash King. That that would be a good post. Like, I feel like that's a deserved Instagram post. If you're playing the Kings. Got to bandwagon the Kings the way I bandwagon the Nets. You don't have an NBA team. Yeah, you're right. But I can't because you were you were in New York when you jumped on that. You weren't in Brooklyn, were you? I was in Brooklyn. Oh, yeah, so that's fair. 